But most uh, founders, when they start a company, they think of marketing, first of all, they think of it in terms of Coca-Cola or, or Nike, you know, like the 60 second commercial on the Super Bowl. Well, nobody can afford that. Like that's millions of dollars, right? And anyway, by the way, for startups, it wouldn't matter even if you spent it because nobody knows you are. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlack, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Orly. Orly, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much, Michelle, for inviting me. Happy to be here. Nice. Poor Orly has no idea what she's in for, but that's okay. We're going to have a ton of fun. <laughs> so give everybody the highlight of who you are and what you do for business. So again, my name is Orly Ziwi, and I uh, am a, I'm a brand architect and a facilitator of light bulb moments. That's what I usually, I usually open with that. And what I do is uh, I basically have one superpower. I make fuzzy clear. Uh, nice. I, I help you figure fuzzy out who clear. you are who needs it and communicate your zone of genius in a way that they get it, they want it, they value it and will pay a premium for it. Nice. I love it. So how did you get into branding as a thing in clarity? That's a question I often ask myself. <laughs> so, I actually, believe it or not, I, I this is kind of a long and tortured road to get here. So I actually started out as a fine artist and uh, you know, I've been drawing since before I could write. And, um, and then, you know, I discovered along the way that lo and behold, I wasn't that good <laughs> compared to everyone around me who was doing amazing things. And, you know, I, I was always, uh, I mean, I can draw, but I Let's can't call it unique. <laughs> yeah. I can't like draw in all capital letters with, you know, with exclamation points. So, um, so I decided that, you know, what I realized is that I actually like solving other people's problems more than my own creative problems. And so I went to school, got a degree in graphic design. This is years ago when, uh, you know, people barely knew what graphic design was. And I actually went to a really top design program um, in the country. And, um, and then I did that for a really long time. I had a design and marketing communications firm for 14 years. I, I had lots of uh, great clients. We did very complex and, and um, comprehensive marketing programs for a variety of clients. Um, and then the internet happened. So, <laughs> <Damn> internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I had two kids, right? You know, I had two kids, the economy tanked, uh, the internet happened. I mean, you know, so much has happened in the 2000s. There was a lot of stuff going on. And, um, and what I realized is I didn't want to become a web designer. I'd already done the print. I'd been doing the design piece for a long time. Our focus was really logos and identity programs. Um, but what I discovered is that I could still use that, um, that very rich background and help my clients navigate the web through a lens of actually differentiating themselves. And, and not looking like every other person on the internet. And, you know, back then, of course, people just literally took a brochure and stuck it on the web, you know, put it <laughs> put on their website. That was considered, you know, revolutionary. And, um, and then, you know, I discovered that um, I really enjoyed that. You know, I, I, I found that, um, you know, people really struggle with that. They struggle with their web presence. They don't really understand the whole idea of user experience. I mean, we talk a lot about UX and UI and, 
you know, we throw these, these acronyms around, but people don't really, most people don't really understand what any of that means. And, um, you know, just to clarify, so UX is user experience and UI is, is uh, web design. And people now just talk about branding as sort of instead, I don't call myself a branding consulting uh, consultant. I'm a brand consultant because I think of, and I know that a brand is more than just the logo, more than the identity. It's a whole experience. So I've been thinking about this for 20 years, like literally in that space for 20 years, I was teaching it. I was actually developing workshops in the early 2000s on this back when you know people didn't even know anything about it or why it was important. And, um, and what I found really interesting and surprising is when the pandemic hit, you know, I've now skipped quite a few decades, a couple of decades here, but all of a sudden the pandemic hits and everyone is online and it's like, oh my God, nobody knows who I am. I don't know how to differentiate myself, right? So all of a sudden I found myself in this really interesting position of being somebody who'd been doing this all along and now I could really help you. Um, and so I'm actually developing a course on how to uh, brand yourself on LinkedIn and hoping to launch that in early June. Nice. I love that. Well, and I love talking about branding too, because I think it is highly <laughs> overgeneralized to say the least. Um, it's kind of like coaching is now. And it's like, uh, yeah, that's not what we're talking about, but okay. Um, so let's kind of delve into the whole branding concept, because I think depending on where you are in business depends on what your definition of branding is. Somebody that just wants a business card and a website is completely different than Coca-Cola. <laughs> I perceive those to be kind of opposite ends of the spectrum, but let's kind of hone in on what your idea of like, where are the parameters of branding? And then we'll kind of hone in on what's going on on the inside. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is nobody needs business cards, <laughs> you know, or exactly. I mean, seriously, I haven't used, I haven't handed out a business card in forever because all I do now is, you know, I hold up my phone. And I have a QR code. My QR, right. Or I just literally, I just, you know, I look for you on LinkedIn and we connect right away. All my information is on LinkedIn. It takes you to my website, all my so, and I do have a digital business card, but I, I rarely use that either. It's just, honestly, everyone goes to LinkedIn. <laughs> You're just uh, and, and there's my QR code for my LinkedIn. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Which I, I while we're have, talking about it. <laughs> I should have one of those, right? I know here I'm, it's, it's, you know, shoemaker's children syndrome. I don't it, have, it is you know, 2023. Please. Except for my website. I will say like, I've really put a lot of effort into my website to really get it to be uh, you know, user friendly, because ultimately it's not for me. And that's something that people don't understand about their website. They, they create content as if they're talking to themselves. And then they wonder why there's no conversion, why they don't get traffic, why, you know, their visitors don't turn into prospects. And that's because it's not, if it's not about me, I don't really care. <laughs> right. I call that mirror marketing. And I'm like, you are not your ideal client. You're just doing this. I, that means nothing. Like I, I, you know, the key. So, so where I've kind of landed with all of that, and this, this is true with branding in general, is that the content needs to resonate with something that is true for your ideal client, not for everybody on the planet, just for the people who actually want this, need this, value it. 
Now, you mentioned Coca-Cola, and that's the B2C space, and I'm not in the B2C space. I'm in the, uh, sorry, business to consumer. I'm in the business to business. So I tend to work with service industry um, businesses, whether it's coaching or or um, healthcare or legal, or I'm trying to think of who I'm, I'm working with right now. I mean, you know, innovation centers, places that are looking to really break out of, you know, they're just either starting a business and they're trying to really break out and, and, um, and stand out in their, in their um, field or uh, companies that are really looking to rebrand. And because this is something that I've discovered is that most people, when they start a business, do not do any of the things that I do, <laughs> that, I, that I suggest, as in figure out who you are, figure out who they are, figure out what, what they care about, and then talk about that. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. And they, they don't. Any no. reason why you think they don't, or is there a, a point at which they do start thinking about it? And it's like, oh, okay, I just got to work towards this point. And then all of a sudden it'll make sense again. So I wrote a book about this. <laughs> so Ready Launch Brand, the lead marketing guy for startups. I actually talked to 25 entrepreneurs around their marketing journey. And what I found, and it was it was interesting because it was almost like my words. And I honestly I didn't pay any of these people to say these things. But what, you know, from 25 years, 30 years of experience, I've learned a few key things. One is that people tend to think of marketing as something they'll get to eventually. Um, which is why my book is set up around marketing myths. And one of them is we'll pay for marketing when we have money to pay for marketing. I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the problem with that is, of course, that never happens because uh, people tend to think of a pie. And this is, I actually almost had this in my book. And then my editor said, don't put that in there. So, <laughs> so if you think of your business as a pie, and then you have a teeny, teeny, teeny sliver for marketing, your pie never gets bigger. But if you get, if you take a big chunk of that pie and you invest it in marketing, lo and behold, your, your pie doubles, triples, it gets bigger. And then there's more money for marketing. That's kind of how that works. But most uh, founders, when they start a company, they think of marketing, first of all, they think of it in terms of Coca-Cola or, or Nike, you know, like the 60 second commercial on the Super Bowl. Well, nobody can afford that. Like that's millions of dollars, right? And Anyway, by the way, for startups, it wouldn't matter even if you spent it because nobody knows you are, right? The reason that Nike, Starbucks, Nike and Coca-Cola and, and, you know, these car manufacturers and, you know, the reason they spend that kind of money is because if they didn't, people would think they were going out of business. They're used to a certain level. Uh, a startup, nobody knows you. So the goal in those first few years is not... To, to have money for some large advertising campaign, but to start to build buzz, use social media effectively to start to really build awareness. Like that's really the first step. You have, people have to know who you, that you exist before you can start to advertise. Yeah, absolutely. So when it, let's start with the, the social media friends, because mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of them are going, okay, I'll just splatter everything everywhere yeah. and see what happens. And what happens is burnout. Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) So talk to me about your opinion on that. Oh my gosh, where to begin? I have a whole chapter on that one. Um, (laughs) So here are the three, three things, three big mistakes that people make. First is 
they try to do too much on too many platforms. And the first step I would say to you is figure out who the client is and who's your ideal client and where do they hang out? If you're talking to, to if your clients are under the age of 35, you're, you're going to need to have an Instagram account. Maybe TikTok. I don't know. TikTok, I will tell you right now, I don't know a whole lot about TikTok. But for B2B, which is my space, you're going to want to be on LinkedIn. And of course, I used to be on Twitter also. We'll leave that conversation for another time. Um, so, that's, so that's the first problem is they try to do too much over too many platforms they, they, and they crash and burn. And then what happens is you end up with like, you know, three followers on Twitter or like two followers on Instagram. You know, to me, it's like, just get off of those right away. Pick one and then really commit to it. Then the second problem that they, they, the second big problem I see is that they hire an intern to be the voice of their brand. It's like, that makes no sense to me, right? It's the, the especially in the beginning, the founder is the brand. So they need to develop their brand voice, which of course is, is something that I, I, I've worked with founders on because a lot of times they don't know what that is, right? They, they think it's just, oh, I'm just going to put a bunch of content in out there. But again, it's about getting, it's about being really strategic. And then the third mistake that they make is they, um, they don't really feed the, they don't feed the, the furnace, right? They kind of put it out there. And especially, I'm, you know, I'm very familiar with LinkedIn. So I'm going to focus on that because that's in the B2B space. And, you know, there's the pitch and forget, right? So uh, you connect with people and, but you never really use it for anything or you engage maybe once every few months. The problem is that, you know, because of the algorithm, algorithms, you know, LinkedIn keeps track of that. And so if you're not, if you're not engaged, then even when you do engage, it doesn't, it doesn't go up. Like people don't connect with you that way. So those are the three things, you know, that I have found. Yeah. Thanks. Well, and let's stick to LinkedIn because I think it's particularly entertaining in that um, I know that that's where my clients are, but it's really boring. <laughs> you know like, do, I, do I really have to hang out here so every once in a while I have this spurt where I go through and go Pit. <laughs> and then I end up with all these marketers as my contacts and I'm like ah, oh, probably you just go. totally destroyed my marketer. <laughs> you yeah so so you know if we had more time and maybe we could do this offline but I would take a look at your profile and the first thing I would look at is you know what are you saying here because if you're getting all these marketers and your profile is not it's not really positioned, it's not branded in a way that gets people to understand why they, you know, like your ideal clients to really focus in on that. And, and I'm going to say that's true for everybody that, oh, that is in that people. experience where they're, where they're getting that, um, that it's not an uncommon experience. So if you're having that first thing you need to go do to yeah. Orly's point is go through and figure out, are you talking to your audience or are you talking at your audience or to, worse yet to a mirror? So I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. So, and you know, I never name names, so I'm not going to name names now, but I was talking to somebody recently and uh, she's a leadership coach. You know, it's another one of those buzzwords that, you know, isn't everybody a leadership coach now? And she said to me, you know, I hate it when people constantly tell me, you know, what kind of leadership coach are you? <laughs> I go on her profile and the first thing on her title is leadership coach. That kind. <laughs> and I said, you know, maybe that might have something to do with it. <laughs> so that's why, yeah. So 
I could call myself a brand consultant and I don't, I call myself your facilitator of light bulb moments. That actually does get that actually, I've actually gotten work. I've gotten, you know, all kinds of requests for speaking, for collaboration, mentoring, just because of that title. Nice. So let's talk about that because I think there's a lot of confusion there too, as to how do you know that you have something that's catchy versus something that's kitschy? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, nobody knows what that means. And well, first of all, I don't call yeah. myself your facilitator of light bulb moment because it's catchy. I do it because it's true. Well, and it says something. Exactly. And if it doesn't speak to you, you and I probably are never going to work together. <laughs> So, so the whole process, and I've literally, I mean, this is my, my whole book is about this and my whole process is around this. How do you get to that, you know, that one line, that elevator pitch? I don't just, you don't pick something out of the air. You've got to go through this process, whether it's mine or someone else's to identify, you know, who are you? Like what, you know, what's your core value? Like I, you know, in my brand um, strategy process, there's a whole, you know, kind of sequence of, you know, the exercises that you do to get to that, to be able to quickly sum up, this is who I am, this is what I do. And then there's this whole idea that there's really only one core value, at least in my mind. The core value is something you would do even if it was illegal, right? This is just who you are at your core and that never changes. You know, I'm always so, I find it so amusing when I see people say, well, our core value is customer service. Really? Well, (laughs) Unless you're Nordstrom's, and I have actually a great story to share with that was that's in my book also. But you know, unless you actually live that, and I don't mean just as a okay, it's something we talk about, but it's it's embedded in the organization. That's who they are as customer service. Ritz Carlton is another example of that. Otherwise, it's just a way you do business. That's not a core value. That's just what you do, because let's face it. If you weren't good at customer service, you'd be out of business. Right. People kind of expect that. (laughs) Here's the other thing. You want to be careful not to to kind of shine a light on things that might cause more questions than provide answers. Well, and I find too that a lot of people will generalize customer service. So they'll say, oh yeah, we're great at customer service, but they don't really know what that means because if they haven't honed in on who their ideal client is, and you get this string of people going through the door, each one of them has very different expectation of what customer service is. And you may not deliver on five of those six. And you know, that's okay, but <laughs> it means you have to change your messaging. Well, and you know, this just speaking on the whole messaging thing and how important it is, one of the a client I had so many years ago was summer day camp, and they had been literally messaging, I'm talking about decades, okay, decades about their lake. And so when I rebranded them, the first thing we did is we did an online survey uh, and a hundred families responded to the survey, which just tells you how, how people love this place. And one of the questions was, what's the number one reason that you send your kids here? Out of a hundred people, guess how many people mentioned the lake? None. Yeah, <laughs> two. Two. And when one of the questions was, what do you think of the logo, which also was built because it's all about the lake, right? When I asked that question, what do you think of our logo, of the logo? Most people said, what logo? (laughs) They didn't even see it. And it had been around for 30 years. Wow. So it just tells you that, you know, now what happened was through the whole process, 
we landed on the real reason that people send their kids there, which is that it's a place where my kid gets to grow up in and, and really learn things, become a better person, a better human, you know, and the whole idea of, you know, the best kind of summer camps are the ones that do that, right? They prepare mm -hmm. us for life. And, um, and so their new tagline now is this is the place where small kids do big things. Nice. That's fun. Well, and I mean, really, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's going to send their kids somewhere just because there's a lake. And they in won't. fact, there's probably no a lot of them that won't is. send them because there's a lake. <laughs> well, it could be scary. I mean, it's like a, talking like, I don't even know, 200 acres or something. It's huge. It's a huge lake. So I understand why the lake was important. But what they fail to understand is that the lake was just the place where kids learned how to swim, how to, how to boat, how to, you know, they learned how to do things as a result of the lake, but it wasn't about the lake. It was right. still about their experience. So at what point in somebody's business do you think it makes the most amount of sense to go back and kind of do that kind of research? Because I am sure if we surveyed, you know, 98 out of 100 entrepreneurs, they get very emotionally attached to their logo. They get very attached yep. to their messaging. They get very attached to weird things. And they're like, yeah, I wouldn't do that, but I will if you insist on it. At what point do you kind of get out of that and go, hey, it's time to listen to your audience, if not your marketing director? Well, of course, in the perfect world, they would be doing that right from the beginning. <laughs> but that really helps. It's not going to happen. Right. I just said it, that's why I prefaced it by saying yeah. in the perfect world. <laughs> so what's interesting, and I've done quite a bit of research on this. So, you know, um, um, and by the way, you know, the number one reason why startups fail is mm -hmm. um, no market need. And that's because so many times founders, you know, just throw stuff out there and go, well, I build it, they'll come, I'll get clients and we'll go from there. And so part of it is really understanding what is it that you're looking to do? So, you know, startups are called startups because their goal is to scale. What tends to happen is sometime around year three to five, you hit a wall if you've done no marketing whatsoever. You can get by with some word of mouth. I mean, it's not like impossible. There are lots of people very successful, but eventually you're going to hit a wall because what happens is, especially when you start to scale, you have people trying to sell something that they themselves don't understand. And so what you lose is the ability to do cross-selling because people don't actually understand what your core business is. And um, the messaging eventually catches up with you because as you grow your business, um, you know, you do tend to shift. And sometimes what happens is that people shift based on whoever is their client at the moment, instead of thinking, who do I want as a client that's gonna be a good fit? So I would say three years is usually a good time. I've found between three and five. Uh, but I've worked with, I mean, look, the summer day camp, they were in business since the 1950s, so. <laughs> and I think too that times change, right? I mean, a that's lot right. of big brands, you know, went from full names to acronyms. They went from, you know, one color to another, they, they did a, some of them did a huge overhaul, uh, just to be more modern. And then at some point in time, I would think, you know, 20, 30 years, uh, you kind of have to do that. 
Oh yeah, now there's a difference between, now you're asking an interesting question because there's a difference between changing who you are at your core versus staying with the times and updating, but not changing your core value. So, you know, and what tends to happen is the reason people do this is because there's a problem. They're either flat, either flat sales, they can't get good people, their, their, um, their brand has, you know, fallen on hard times. There's something that happens or there's been M&A activity and, you know, somebody bought them and now there's a whole, right? So there's always something that precipitates the need to do this. It's never just somebody going, oh yeah, I think we'll completely change everything and spend $100,000 to change all of our materials and our trucks and our uniforms. And nobody does that. <laughs> yeah, no. Awesome. So who would you say that you serve and support? Who would you say your ideal client is? So um, so right now I would say I work with a lot of solopreneurs, um, but I also work with, like I said, B2B companies um, that have kind of lost their way, you know, and are really wondering, you know, why they're not as successful as they used to be. Um, but really it's um, it's entrepreneurs, startups, early stage, or even companies that are going through a major shift. And that's the reason why they, they need help with their messaging. Um, you know, everyone has a website now, so it's not about building a website, but often uh, what happens is there's a, there's almost like a precipice, you know, like all of a sudden everything kind of falls off the, the cliff and they're not able to really use their website in any, in any effective way. And the first, actually the first question I usually ask somebody is, you know, what are your, what are, what, um, what's your conversion number on your website? And they're like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> and usually I get, you know, especially younger companies, I'll usually get, oh, nobody goes to our website. We just have one because we need one. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if good. nobody goes there, why do you need it? <laughs> exactly. Well, so give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories of your client or the Summer camp was awesome. And yeah, you have Ah, oh, gosh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a, a more a recent one. Um, oh, so here's one. This is one I, uh, I worked on when I had my uh, design marketing communications firm. Uh, and I love this story because this was, this was a fertility clinic and they were literally handing people out their new patients when you would first come into their office they would hand them like, I don't know, six uh, double-sided Xerox stapled uh, pieces of paper in black and white, not even color. Here, here's a bunch of information. <laughs> and we literally built them from the ground up and uh, did all of their, you know, kind of create, really created the brand. And then also built three brand extensions. So, and one of our most fun and most successful campaign was for the sperm bank. And I, I, I love this story. So, so you really haven't had fun until you sit around a table with a bunch of doctors okay. and nurses talking about the fact that they can't get people to donate to the sperm bank. And it turns out that one of the things about their sperm bank that was quite humorous is the phone number. And I, I swear to you, I'm not making this up. The phone number was call nurse love <laughs> that was actually her last name and so we got rid of that and <laughs> came up with the whole campaign 
themed around, uh, and of course, this is going to college students. So, because um, we also decided where the cutoff was in terms of age. I mean, we kind of, we really like kind of developed the entire thing. That campaign was all built around, um, it was a seasonal campaign. So in the winter, it was freeze your assets. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> It was, I still have the posters somewhere. And, um, and the, every time a poster would go up, the phone would start ringing. Every time the poster came down, the phone would stop ringing. I mean, it was literally the most successful thing we ever did because we understood like how to connect with, with people who, you know, this is not a decision that you were just like, oh, I think I'll go donate sperm, you know? So, um, but it was, it was really interesting. It was a very interesting pro project. That's awesome. I love it. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be going through as they're listening to us going, Oh my God, Orly, I need you so badly. <laughs> they, they think it's going to take months and months and it's not. Um, the, 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 just the brand strategy piece, each, each component. So there's brand strategy, messaging strategy, then there's web strategy. And each of those pieces takes about a month. Um, and they also think that they're going to be doing this like every day and it's going to take up all this time. It's not. Um, and they also think it's going to be painful and it's not. It's actually going to be really fun. <laughs> at least it, at least that's been the feedback I've gotten from my clients. Um, and they also think it's going to be really expensive. And here's the thing about, about uh, marketing. You know, people tend to think of it as an expense, something that lives on your balance sheet. And really it's an investment. It is not, it's like, it's like any other fixed cost, something that you, you invest in your company, just like, you know, you don't just hire a lawyer every once in a while, you have one on retainer, you have an account, you have a bookkeeper, you have an IT person, you've got all these people because they help you run your business. And, and I, you know, I'm a brand, a brand a strategist, right? So I'm the person, I'm like your brand therapist also, <laughs> often I've been called that. Um, and having somebody who can keep you on brand is really important. It actually saves you money in the long run. It, it really does. Cause a lot of kind of what we do with our clients is getting them the tech. So once they've worked with somebody like you and they have the content that they want and they know their brand, and then they just need somebody to do all the tech and hit the right buttons. And right. so that they're not learning software, <laughs> any of that or training their people on how to do things. Oh, um, that's just a slow, painful <laughs> road right there. Yes. Um, but they don't, a lot don't realize the importance of when you have a clear brand established that everything kind of flows that much easier. Nobody's ever staring at a blank page. Nobody's ever staring at, you know, wondering what they need to do and how they need to do it to get it out. Or they're not doing this kind of smatter marketing of, we're going to promote this event and that event and this event and that event all at the same time. And nobody's going to have a clue what we're doing. Um, so the cohesiveness of getting their brand together to us is paramount and being able to hone in on that message so that they know this is a direction we want to write everything going forward um, so that it, it translates well. That is an epic um, solution to all of their kind of lost money. Cause a lot of people will throw money at Facebook ads and go, Oh, I just need oh Facebook gosh. ads. I just need this. I just need that. And it's like, no, no, actually you got to back up and figure out like, what are you saying in any of these? Like don't send anything out until you know what you're saying and how you're saying it. So there's yeah, no, I'm there's, a, a huge advocate. 
Yeah, sorry, there, there's another piece to this, which people forget. And that has to do with once you're at a certain level, um, um, hiring, you know, retaining and attracting top talent. People are, you know, especially, you know, since millennials and Gen Zers, uh, of course, are the same, they're looking for purpose. And, and so the clearer you are with your messaging, the more you can attract the people who fit, you know, uh, the right people on your bus, as it were. And so often, you know, you, you, people don't realize that like the lack of brand clarity also leads to people jumping ship, not being able to retain talent, right, is extremely expensive. And I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but it's, you know, it's costing millions of dollars. Uh, uh, yearly because of lost, you know, because every time you lose somebody, you got to retrain somebody new. So it's both an internal and external issue. Absolutely. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start that journey? <laughs> well, um, you can certainly reach out to me at orly at zwebrands.com. That's my email. Uh, you can go on my website and uh, zwebrands.com and Connect. there's a place there where you can uh, schedule a discovery session with me uh, and you can connect with me on LinkedIn or uh, Lazy As far as I know, there's only one on LinkedIn, so it shouldn't be hard to find me. And, um, and there's also a link in the about section. There's a, a contact that you can schedule um, a, a call with me and um, you can check out my book, Ready Launch Brand. It's available on Amazon and all other uh online platforms um let's see i think that's it right <laughs> we will of course have all of orly's links in the show notes so you can just scroll down and click on those and of course open up in a new tab because we're not done yet so orly at what point in life did you know that you were special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur yeah i ask myself that all the time <laughs> what were you thinking <laughs> actually you know it's funny i i come from a long line of entrepreneurs in fact um, on my dad's side, you know, generations of entrepreneurs and on my mother's side, generations of educators. So I'm both, <laughs> I'm an educator and an entrepreneur. Cause I, I, I've been a, an educator, lifelong educator, but, um, you know, I think ever since I was a little girl, really, cause I, you know, I saw my dad, my dad was always an entrepreneur and, um, he's an inventor. So he has like 17 patents and, um, and what, but the main thing is, you know, and, and how I kind of got in this line of work and also the reason I wrote my book is because I saw how much my dad struggled. And, um, and you know, every time I think about helping uh, a founder, I think about that I'm also helping their family. Nice, I love that. <laughs> love it, love it, I love it. You've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps today? Thank you so much. I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation, Michelle. And thank you. I have too. And thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.